Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications, and this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Cindy, I wanted to invite Mark DeMassimo to join us today because he has a theory about membership marketing that I think we need to learn about. Oh. It, you know, it, it's so interesting as uh, subscription marketing and membership marketing has taken off in recent years what with mm-hmm. software as a service and loyalty programs and so forth, that there seems to be a hiccup here with Peloton's frankly, disastrous news just in in the last couple of weeks. And also Noom is postponing an IPO. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but um, it sounds like Mark is saying that he has some ideas about what's going on here and, and what we need to do maybe to fix it. So let's invite him in, shall we? Oh, absolutely. This is going to be great. Good. Thanks, Mark, for joining us. Ruth, Cindy, it's so great to be here. Thank you for for having me uh, on the program and to talk about my favorite subject. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I can't wait. So I'm just going to jump right in with asking you, Mark, right off the bat. Um, Let's start out with that big question. What's going on with subscription and membership models? Uh, where do you want me to start? Would you want me to start with the good news or do you want me to start with, <laughs> with explaining the bad news? Because there's both. You decide. Um, you know, I'd like to start with the good news. Um, I'll break the rule that if it leads, it leads. And I'll start with the good news. Um, and the good news comes out of the context of a of, of very difficult um, marketplace for folks. And I, you know, I'll be, uh, I'll be quick about this, but, um, there are a lot of folks out in Silicon Valley and, and working, uh, through marketing technology and media technology that are changing that stuff so fast that people are being driven over the edge. Uh, there, you know, uh, Netflix literally, literally says our strategy is to compete with your sleep. Oh. I love Netflix. <laughs> I have no problem. But our strategy mm. is to compete with your sleep. Um, what has, what, what's legitimately happened in the marketplace is that people want to have more sense of agency and control over their lives. And products alone don't help enough. Memberships, true relationships with continuity, all those old direct marketing words that I know we all know and love, yeah, they go deeper and they can help more. And so there's a really good reason why uh, there's a really good market-based, consumer-based, person-based reason why uh, membership and subscription has been taking off, and that's a mega trend. Yeah. Okay. Now the dark side. <laughs> um, <laughs> the dark side is, you know, what's what Soros called reflexivity, which means that um, that any human social truth is going to also become a cause. 
And mm-hmm. what's happened is, what happened is that the investors uh. saw in subscriptions, right? And memberships, um, ongoing, more predictable revenue. Sure. Therefore, yeah. they started to value the, the, the profits and revenue of subscription companies at a much higher uh, multiple than other companies. Yeah. Because investors saw other investors doing that, they kept bidding up the prices of these companies, which you know predictably drove especially the leaders right over the edge. Hmm. Not enough Yes, expectations got too high, and the only way to keep up with them was to start to do bad business hmm. and take bad risk. And start, you know, you, what happens in, in that part of the market, that, that part of the market cycle is that the, the leadership of the company has to choose between um, looking worse to the money and they were, you know, looking worse to the people who give them loans and investments by being moderate in an immoderate environment, which can have costs, or by taking the huge risks of following the money. So it just really becomes a vice. And I, I absolutely believe Peloton especially fell into that vice. Um, in Loom's case, you know, they scaled very quickly. They're a lot better at acquiring than they are. And we, we, so we have a model which we call start, stick, stay. Um, and, you know, mar- the marketers, in, because of the growth of this, um, and I know, Cindy, you've seen this. Um, uh, uh, because of the growth of this whole area, many of the marketers selling subscriptions and memberships don't have direct uh, and, and continuity and customer relationship marketing experience, not at the top level. Um, in fact, many of the folks I've worked with have come out of packaged goods. Mm. And my the first conversation is you're not running the same business model anymore, and you need people around you understand this business model. So the growth means that there aren't enough people with deep experience in the model. They're great at acquiring. They don't know how to stick the relationships, and that's where the value comes from, right? Right. You know, I I have a personal experience with that, you know, uh, during the pandemic, uh, like so many people, um, we were stuck at home and I've never been a big, you know, cook and spending a lot of time in my kitchen. And so I did sign up for one of those subscription services, you know, the food box, everything comes in the box and make it easy. Give me a menu and I can just like make dinner easy because we're not going out. Um, A, it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. And um (laughs) You know, it was more complicated than I wanted it to be. But B, I got kind of tired of it and I canceled, right? Huh. So, yeah. um, which I think t- as you're speaking to, they did a fabulous job convincing me and acquiring me. And then I never heard from them except huh. for my yeah. pick my weekly, what I'm getting between my keto or my Mediterranean or food type. Um, but I never got the stick or stay. I never got, and once I abandoned. I never got the um, communication that we all know as marketers would be like a win back strategy because all that money that you spend on acquisition to acquire me, 
you know, you're making all your profit on me once you got me on board. And right. they did nothing to either retain no, me or, re- yeah, or reactivate me. Wow. You know, do you know that the University of Pennsylvania uh, just uh, published a few months ago the results of, of, of one of their mega studies? So all these behavioral scientists trying to figure out how to get people to sustain habits. And so all over the country and maybe the world, they're testing all of these different things. And do you know what the number one thing was? A win-back strategy. Make it easy for people to come back who've lapsed. And and yes, incentivize them a little to come back if they lapsed. Yeah. So the things we we know as part of our professional experience are are just being tested and proven out uh, by scientists. But, you know, a couple of examples just to, to you know, to support what you're saying. Um, it's not just the, the marketers, too. It's also the ownership. We did work uh, a couple of years back for, for Proactive. Proactive had a successful continuity program. Um, continuity programs became attractive. They sold themselves to a, a packaged goods company. Oh the package goods company said, we've got an idea for you to make more money for this, where you're going to now become a products company, like an e-commerce company. So one result of that was that they get new people using Proactive. It's for acne, right? One, one thing about the product working is six weeks in, you're worse. Your acne is worse. If it's oh, no. working, it gets better three oh. months in. Wow. Whereas oh, they used my. to tell people that now they weren't preparing people and four and six and eight weeks in, they were trying to cross sell them to other products while they oh, were boy. miserable with the first one. So they were losing 60, 70, 75% in any oh. given month of the people they spent so much money to acquire. That's a great Happened story. So wow. you're identifying a combination of uh, on the ground in experience in relationship marketing or whatever we're yes. calling it and senior leadership arrogance and kind of stars in the eyes about the potential revenue or or profit growth how fascinating that i guess you're filling me with hope though because neither of those two factors relates to the business model itself, it still really works and it still can be very profitable as long as it's managed properly and the expectations are set, maybe. Ruth, uh, you know, I just want, I want to throw up an, an amen because, you know, here I said, incredibly cheerful and optimistic about what we do and, and also, um, you know, feeling really thrilled and honored that we all, we, what we know is what this world needs. The, the fundamentals of what's creating a boom uh, in membership subscription. Um, I, I, you know, I call them good habits companies, uh, membership companies, the fundamentals of what's creating the boom, which is the consumer need for relationships that help them change things in their lives. They want this whole transformational economy needs this business model. The fact that that there are too few of us with long experience and deep knowledge about these business models 
means that we have an important job to do in this world. Hmm. And, and, you, you know, in a, in some sense, it's not that hard. Um, first off, you know, the first thing is just awareness. You investors, marketers need to know that they're engaging with a business model with a, with a model that is different and needs to be managed differently. For me, I, I, I basically start with how you add value and how you add value is connected to how you add impact because lifetime value, um, right, of, of your member or customer or subscriber um, is, is the lever. Yep. So right. you add value to their life, they add value to your company. It's pretty straightforward. That is that doesn't come from acquiring customers that aren't valuable in the long run. It only comes from from uh, from starting and sticking and and to some extent staying. Stick yeah. is right, right. Stick, and that's the hard work. That's not the sexy stuff. I mean, I think that you know Ruth and I in our B two B days, we we certainly have seen how companies have had their budgets. Uh, focused on acquisition and they don't put <laughs> as much money in retention. And we fight this fight all the time. Always annoying. That, um, right. Put more of yeah. your budget in yeah. retention than acquisition, but retention is the hard work and it's not the sexy work. You've already got the customer, right? Everybody wants to hear about the new numbers you're throwing up on the board and they're mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, well you kept them. Well, so what, you know, they were going to stay anyways, right? How can you prove that, that, they wouldn't have stayed without your efforts. And as marketers, that's the hard fight sometimes is telling the investors. And I'm wondering if you have some tips on that area where the investors want to see the acquisition numbers because that's what they're all psyched about. And in fact, that's how the revenue models play out. You look at your acquisition and then they do their run rate and you know you have your 12-month trailing and you know, and that's how they get all excited. Um how do you get them excited about spending money on retention and sticking or reactivation when they're really just want you to go get more members? Hmm. It's it's a great uh, it's it's a it's a great question. It's the problem, and I actually have I, I I've, I've experimented my way into some pretty good uh, answers for that. So you know, just quickly, I'll give you I'll give you a quick list. I generally start out and I say, um, you, let me guess, you spend enormous amounts of money on acquisition. And, and I pause and without fail, they say, oh my God, yes. <laughs> we spend so <laughs> much money to acquire a customer. And then I say, um, and let me guess, one, two, three months later, you're not seeing the value from that customer. How many of those customers actually stick? Hmm. And I pause. And, <laughs> and that's where the pain comes out. Mm-hmm. I, I believe for the most part that, that and, and so as I follow that conversation down, the reason that they don't spend on customer marketing is one, they don't focus on those moments that matter those key moments where people are lost or gained and and they can be identified. If you go through the customer journey, we call it habit mapping. One, they don't focus on that, but most importantly, they have no sense of optimism that member marketing works because they don't know how to do it. 
So they don't want to spend money. I mean, they don't like costs. What they mm. like is investments that return. So what I'll say is, what if you could reduce your member churn by 10%? What in, what effect, could you calculate what effect that would have on the value of your business, on the return on your marketing dollar? And right. let them look at that. You know, I could do it for them, but, you know, but, but I let them live with that. And basically, look, um, so they'll say, well, okay, that would be amazing, but how would that work? And I'll say, you have to, once you know what adds value to your company, then you have to turn and look at it from the other side, which is behavior, which is what behaviors drive those value levers. Yeah. So, um, you know, our head of strategy, uh, co-CEO Leslie Bilby was working on a, on a gym and she looked at where folks were lost and, and what they noticed is that 50% of the people who get to the parking lot don't come in oh. because they feel fat, unattractive. And the way the gyms, the way the gyms were set up, you had to walk in front of everyone at the gym in order to join it. 50% of the people sit in their car and they would not go in. Wow. What they did was they experimented with creating a separate entrance and mm. a private uh, sign-up process. And they they got to 75%. Hmm. Wow. More or less right away. It's behavior. So you find the, the sticking point. In the case of proactive, we we the quickest thing we could do, so the first thing we did was started an email program that just let people know what they would be experiencing each week if it was working. Cindy's mailbox experience would have been a lot better with something simple like that. Absolutely, it would have. So Mark, do you think membership marketing, if assuming these problems could be avoided or fixed, has a great future? I mean, wh where's it headed? How can we marketers be ready for whatever changes may be coming? For me, it really comes down to what's what's more valuable, transactions or relationships. Hmm. And I think the I think the answer from the from the consumer's point of from the person's point of view is pretty obvious that relationships that serve me are a lot more valuable. So I believe I think it's great. I mean, if we if we get just a little bit boring, so that we get just the right amount of investment. This is this is a boom. It's a mega trend boom for many years to come. For many mm. years to come, every company is going to want to go beyond the transaction to the relationship. And there's just so much learning and development to be done. Wow, great. Mark, that's a great way to bring us to a close. We started with good news. We're going to end with good news. And um, <laughs> always welcome. <laughs> always welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. That was great. Thank you, Mark. Uh, thank you both so much. So great to be here with you. Oh, Ruth, that was just great. I really enjoyed our conversation with Mark. And um, what a pleasant surprise for us, too, when we first thought we were going to speak with him. We thought it was going to be all gloom and doom about, you know, the, the death of the subscription and membership model based on some of the experiences we're seeing in the market. But, um, 
you know, what he said is that this is a mega trend. This is a boom economy and it's being driven by consumers, that consumers want this in their lives, that there is a desire to have more relationships and less transactions, less, you know, um, you know, one-off dating and and more of a relationship <laughs> with the company. And this, and he was very bullish on Indeed. the future of uh, membership and and subscriptions. And you know, Ruth, this is your background. You you had a great deal of experience in this area, right? I, I kept hearing continuity marketing, membership marketing, loyalty programs, all of these data-driven business models that we grew up on, Cindy, as as junior marketers in the in the 80s, 90s, etc. And uh, it was so so kind of satisfying to hear his enthusiasm for the model. And and he was basically saying, I think, that they're just doing it wrong. <laughs> it's not that it's a bad right. model. Right. And so right. uh, I love your idea about don't follow the money, but follow the consumer, that right. the, the downfall has been misunderstanding of not only how to do it, but what kind of results it can deliver. Right. And, you know, having been in the um, um, M&A and a private equity world for a long time in, in my professional career, um, the re recurring revenue model is what drives valuation. And we know that, right? Yeah. So the investors are absolutely enamored with anything that's recurring revenue. And, and part of our challenges in marketing are companies that have um, just traditional marketing as their revenue is it's very spiky. Not only is it spiky, it's very hard to predict. Mm -hmm. So you don't know when consumers will buy. You don't know when consumers will attrit. You don't know. You can't predict human behavior in an easy way um, compared to many other uh, industries but recurring revenue models like a subscription, you're going to get the revenue regardless of the consumer behavior. You don't have to figure out what Cindy Greenglass is going to do. If I get a, a box every month to make my dinner every week, I'm going to make my dinner. Whether I use the box or not, I might actually throw it out. If I have a Dollar Shave Club and I've signed up and I'm going to get those razors, the revenue stream is there. It's very predictable. And you can do a, a, a model off of it. Exactly. But I, it doesn't yeah. encourage good marketing behavior. And it leaves the consumer out of the equation. Mm, interesting. Yeah, the, the models that we can build to predict the behavior of a newly acquired customer, for example, mm -hmm. based on the past behavior of lookalike customers is pretty pretty great what i heard him say was the problem is thinking that oh well this means that we can just go cross sell them to, into smithereens right. and that we can expand the value exponentially and that's that, that's not what the models are saying and that's not what our experience as continuity marketers right tells us so do you remember our um, our past guest, um, Stephen Yu, and how he said, you know, we're irritating our customers to death. We're, we don't 
practice good habits with consumers, right? We're spamming them with the email. In this case, we're not doing anything. So it's the opposite. But that comment, I remember him making, um, Mark said is, you know, we need to practice good habits in behavioral based marketing, which we all know from our past lives. And if we practice that in uh, meeting consumer needs, then we, you know, this is a great business model. And the the techniques and strategies that we learned as direct marketers in the early days are really driven by what's now called behavioral economics. And yes. it's not that the the theories and, and analysis of, of Kahneman and Tversky is new, it's not new, it's new words and new, I think, clarity on how it works. But I'm, I'm also going to point out that our past guest, Nancy Harhut, has just published a book about behavioral marketing. And yes. um, she's building on those same, those same principles of understanding the drivers of, of behavior and how we can help motivate a response or whatever other behavior we're trying to trying to stimulate. So yeah. um, that you know we can we can take satisfaction, I think, in concluding that what's what was old is now new again. It mm-hmm. may have different vocabulary, but the the principles can still be applied for business results. Absolutely. It was fascinating to hear his um, great examples that he gave us, especially the gym, which I, <laughs> I I was astonished when he shared it and then thought, well, that makes perfect sense. Like when you think about it, mm-hmm. um, you know, 50% though of gym members got to the parking lot and don't go in. And then you go, well, what? that's a crazy, think about what that means for retention. Um, And then you combine that with, you know, he said, all of a sudden, the data scientists are proving out that, you know, lapsed and win back strategies is, you know, is where the money is, right? (laughs) Wasn't that amazing? And I also was reminded of Clayton Christensen's famous jobs to be done analysis to gain insight into what the customer really needs, what is the, the, the problem that they have. And, and Clayton Christensen's famous story is um, he and his team stood in front of a McDonald's watching the behavior of milkshake buyers in uh, throughout the day and interviewing them. What, you know, what is it about the, this milkshake that works for you? And they realized that it was less about the milkshake per se and more about getting through the boring commute. And so they were able to use that insight just so similarly to Mark's example of the gym to completely change how the milkshake was positioned and and produced. And um, they were able to increase milkshake purchases across the day and not just in the morning as a a result of that. It's really, it it comes down to a, a combination of marketing communications combined with research, right? Into consumer needs and the business opportunity. 
the art and science of communications. That's Indeed. great, Ruth. <laughs> this has been terrific. And thank you so much for um, introducing Mark to our show. It was wonderful, Cindy. Thank you very much. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive.